BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Farr, who will take it to the Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger with cheese and the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I, I certainly would love that. But also, to say that, is this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Best Come QB on. in the league right What's here. What's up, John Money? He ran right front now, like, huh? What's up, guys? This is Jeff Janis. And Janis does not stop it. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the one Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Todd. Todd. Hello, hello. Hello and welcome to... I don't know. Sadness week. It seems like, you know, obviously the Packers are America's team and it has been raining all week. I have been depressed all week. The Green Bay Packers lose to the Denver Broncos 17 to 19. Not a fun game, not a exciting game. And after, you know, a bye week going into a game where you're playing the worst defense in the NFL, hoping for it to be a get right game. Not very fun, Todd. You well, you were out hunting. You were out pheasant hunting in South Dakota, so you probably had a little bit more fun. But uh, what'd you think? How was your game watching experience? A lot of fun, huh? My game watching experience was was actually pretty good. The where I was hunting, the game was blacked out, oh, but we were actually able to get to a bar that had the game, so that was great. Um, and then that's when tragedy ensued after <laughs> the game started. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you say about this? It was supposed to be a get right game for me. I've opened the drawer that the panic button is in and I'm, I'm grabbing on to the pack. I haven't taken it completely out of the drawer yet, but I have it in my hand. So we're close. I would say the, the panic button is out and it's not even, it's, it's not like you've smashed the glass. Is well, that what you're saying? Like, no, I haven't hit it or anything, but it's definitely in my peripherals. At least it isn't so much that this game is a, you know, the season is over type game. You know, the Titans game last year kind of sort of felt like that, I guess, but it's more so it's just the, the vibe, the feel of this team right now is just so bad. And to have the lions game get pummeled to go out, against the Raiders and look terrible on offense. And then this Broncos game, it's like 
We had all the time in the world to prepare, and we've only gotten worse, it appears. So I'm still optimistic. I, You know, there's still absolutely a chance for the playoffs. I mean, shit, the, the Vikings two weeks ago, they looked dead. Everyone was saying they were done, and now they're kind of doing that little push. So, you know, a two and four record isn't the... Uh, isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we can come back, but either way, it's just, <laughs> it was one of those where we were hoping to see a little bit more out of Jordan love too. And although he didn't have a terrible game, the way it ended didn't leave a very good taste in your mouth, but I don't know, hard to, hard to be super optimistic after the last month, the way, the way the, the season's gone. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, I think we'll, we might have Billy and Andrew joining later, but for now, Todd and I will, of course, talk about the very fun game. We will uh, break down the offense and defense as well as we can. We will have take news, talking about Jordan Love comparisons, that type of narrative going around, how everyone's like, you know, him versus Rodgers, uh, Josh Allen, Brett Favre, Jalen Hurts. Uh, we will then have is Kyle and idiot some trivia and then of course we will preview the Vikings game but once again just getting right into it man not a fun game 17 to 19 probably I mean I think this has to be the new low for the LaFleur Goody era at least since 2019 I think this is probably the lowest we felt about the franchise uh, again coming off a of mini buy or having a buy and a mini buy before that not very good this offense cannot find any type of identity. And for me, I don't know. One of the biggest takeaways from me, and it's not just last year, or it's not just this year, but it was the same deal last year, where there's, it's, <laughs> and LaFleur preaches, you know, everyone doing your 111th. And it seems like every play just about, or every negative play, it's one person doing the wrong thing. We saw Christian Watson run the wrong route. We saw, you know, Jordan Love missing some throws blocks not occurring at least we didn't have the tucker craft pulling to block to lead block for for a run this week so that was some improvement but i don't know how are you feeling who, who are you putting the most blame on right now todd is it lafleur the coaching staff in general the youth of the players jordan love what you thinking it's a good point you make there with the youth of the players because i do think that that's a big factor in this offense and it could be a factor in just how vanilla this offense is maybe just with the mental errors happening all over the field. But I don't, I just want to put the blame on Matt. That's my thought. I think coming into it, you know, it's his job to prepare the team. Also, I think in other areas, the coaching staff seems to be, you know, insufficient. It's just, there's a lot of issues. And I think somebody has to answer when there's, when there's issues everywhere, it's not necessary, you know. You can't pick on a couple different people. It's it, it's Matt Lafleur. I mean, I think is the ultimate issue. I don't know how it goes in, inside the inside the building or inside the locker room, but it's like, man, when there's all these little issues everywhere, and you get the same thing with the D coordinator. Granted, I guess they only gave up 19 points, but come on, it's the Broncos. Gross. I mean, right? Yeah, it's the same shit every week. I mean, it's um, <laughs> we're broken records. It's the same shit. So. I think Matt LaFleur is to blame. Um, there's other other complaints, but I think in general, if we have to put the blame in one spot, it's got to be Matt. Yeah, probably. At least the way I've looked at it, it's like you almost have to like see what the right now problems are, who the right now who you blame. 
and right now it is Matt LaFleur and choosing to go with this coaching staff, bringing all these guys in. You know, I know I harp on Jason Vrabel a lot, and I don't, I, I don't know what the fuck he does. You know, he could be a great wide receiver coach, but all I know is last year we had a lot of these same issues. Sammy Watkins, you know, remember how the Giants game ended, I think, in London where he ran the wrong route. He was on the wrong page. Uh, Christian Watson missing a sign from Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's these little things that the wide receivers, more than the tight ends, seem to just be missing what the responsibilities are on a given play. And that that I would blame on Matt. I, I honestly, I don't think the scheme is as bad as people are making it out of it. You know, we could, there could obviously be some better play calls, but it really is, once again, when it's one guy not doing their 111th, it's execution, which is, once again, back to the broken record shit, but it's just, the execution is something that the coaches should be pounding into their brains. You know, even like early on in the season, it was like the late hands with wicks on one of those throws and just these little things that you're seeing receivers miss on and the offensive linemen miss on, it's just, it's like Matt LaFleur, but then you got to blame Goody because he's the one who said no veteran, no actual veteran wideouts or tight ends, you know, all youth. And then it goes back to Mark Murphy who created this weird system structure where neither Goody or Matt are each other's bosses. So they're just kind of winging it and seeing what, how it's going to work out. So not fun. Like, uh, I don't know if you said it already or if it was before we started recording, but just boring football. That's the worst part about it. Like, that first half was just horseshit, you know, especially like the midday sun in Denver. It's like, this isn't, this isn't fun for anyone to watch, you know? Yeah, it was definitely a gross game just all around. Didn't, I mean, it started out, you thought, you know, maybe what did we, we went down by nine, but it was field goals. And you're like, okay, all we got to do, you have a little bit of optimism. All we got to do is turn around and put up a couple touchdowns. This is a completely different game, right? And it just never really, I mean, we did go up at one point by a point at the very end, and then they kicked the field goal and it was over. But by that point, I think I just, I was at, at the end, I just had watched crappy football all day. And I'm like, there's just no way we win. I had no faith at the end of the game because it was just the most bland, boring. We didn't deserve to win. It was just gross. So I don't know. It was a bummer. It was not a fun game to watch. <laughs> and uh, kind of going along with that, too. And we talked about it with the Saints game. How, you know, and I think I said then, oh, Jordan loves the guy. I think he's going to be the guy for a while. I, I think I might walk back those comments a little bit now. We'll still see. But for me, this is the first time in my life, and hopefully shit'll ch- hopefully I jinx myself again here, but it's the first time in my life where I'm watching a Packer game, and when we're losing or when we kick off, I don't have that faith that we're going to win the game. You know, even the Saints game, I was like, you know, at halftime or whatever, I'm like, I still think we could come back, and we did, and now it's just... it. it Jordan Love's going to have to prove it to us, and this offense is going to have to prove it to us at this point so that we can actually have faith in this. In this, you know, We've always had a great offense, and now it's been pretty consistently not a great offense. So, If there's know. any like Vikings or Bears fans out there that listen to this, like I feel your pain. I mean, I <laughs> never had that issue of like, I mean, there was games where it's like, ooh, this is going to be a tough game, right? Or like when Rodgers was out, 
you know, you'd be like, yeah, we're not, you know, not going to win this that game. But, that doesn't count. Yeah. But I agree. The feeling is so much different. And I was really excited coming into the season. And now that we've seen Jordan Love, we've seen Matt LaFleur and just like seen them not perform consistently. And it's like, mm, it just is a completely different feeling. And it's like, man, this sucks. It sucks when your team kind of sucks. Uh huh. It, it, that's why, and we'll see what happens, but I'm like, Brian Gutekunst took away the joy on my Sundays by drafting Jordan Love. We'll still see. I still hope he turns turns around and he's a you know premier quarterback. I think he absolutely has the ability to, but the accuracy shit is the stuff that... Uh, he he has the arm, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying he doesn't have the ability to, because he doesn't make... Okay, it's not. I, I'm not gonna say the decision making portion is horrible, because I don't think we see a lot of like horrible passes. Um, there's a couple every game. It's the accuracy, and the accuracy is like it's like it's not there. And like even when he is hitting guys, he's not hitting them in stride either. Right. Which is, and then, and like, what's up with? Can we run less than ten screen passes in a game? Like this is really starting to make me nervous. We're not pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, and that's it's weird because, you know, we kind of knew going into this game that they were going to try to get Jordan Love's completion percentage up because that's been, you know, the big talk and that kind of goes with confidence and you want that to go up anyways. You don't want to have the thirty okay. fifth ranked completion percentage quarterback in the league. But when you're going up the Denver going up against the Denver Broncos, who have one of the worst pass defenses in the league, that's not the time to do it. And then when they, you know, decide to do that it's to end the game, you know, a little Hail Mary throw oh. at the end. But. but I just don't even like, okay, if I'm the quarterback and where he's just screen pass over and over again, like that's almost worse for your confidence. That's like, oh, like I, I should be throwing the ball down the field. Like he's not an idiot. He knows if it's screen pass over and over and over again, like Lafleur doesn't have the confidence in him mm-hmm. to push the ball down the field. Or like, I, I just, we don't know exactly what the conversations are, but I just, I cannot imagine that Jordan Love isn't frustrated with that. Even if, even if he can't throw the ball down the field, he's still got to be frustrated with the play calling. Yes. Like he, he wants to throw it down the field. He may not be capable, but he wants to. And I think that that is something that is, is probably even hurting Jordan Love right now is like, I mean, how many times we throw the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage? I know. Or, or let's say within five yards. I, I think sixty percent going into halftime, his his furthest attempt was four yards. I believe that's what it was, or like his furthest completion was four air yards. It was something like that. Which, on top of it too, you know, you don't have you know we're talking about the short yardage stuff and screens. We've been bitching about the offensive line all year, and now you're putting more pressure on them to yep. be to move in space like that, which they've proven time and time again they're not very good at so it's just it's a cluster it's a cluster fuck but we're talking about jordan love we'll keep talking about him breaking down the offense of the players jordan love again not a fantastic uh not a fantastic game he looked pretty good on the run that stiff arm i totally forgot about this the stiff arm near the goal line that was fucking sick he like stiff armed the dude in the helmet and almost picked up the first down that was very cool back to that gamer shit positive he did have two passing touchdowns. You know, he was 21 for 31, 180 yards, and the two tutties, the one pick. But uh, 
both of those balls, there was a chance that they could have been interceptions. Obviously, right. Dobbs uh, dropped the one that Jaden Reed ended up catching the deflection. And man, it's something with love. I don't know what he does, but he just throws a slow ball. That that touchdown to Romeo, and I don't know what it was, but it's like he switched the velocity that he should have on those throws. You know, the one to Romeo, he should have fucking spun it, just ripped it right in there. Yep. And then the one on the goal line, he does the half pump fake, which he kind of had to do, and he got the defensive lineman to jump. But then he resets and throws it again, and it's almost like when you are – and, you know, I I think uh, J.T. O'Sullivan said that that was a great throw, and it was back to that arm talent thing to get the ball there. But he fucking he, – he, like, pump faked Romeo when he's, like, 10 yards away, if that, and then threw a fucking rocket at him behind, a little bit behind. And it's like, can you imagine playing catch with your buddy and then you just pump fake and then you fucking whip it at his face? Like, that's that's a tough play to make. But I don't know. I, I can't blame him too much on that one. It did end up being a touchdown. It was a drop. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's just the longer the struggles go on, the more concerned you are with with what he's going to be. I don't know if you have anything else to add. We did talk a little bit about love before that, too. I mean, what what was his completion percentage here this week? Do you have that? Uh, I it's not sure. It wasn't great. Sixty? No, it was it was the best it's been all year at least. Um, sure. Yeah, I'll I'll find. Was it. that my bold prediction over sixty five percent? I think it was. It was yeah, maybe. I think it was Ooh. something like that. Why can't I find this now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I can't I can't math, but anyways. Yeah, it it was the best it's been on the season. I think it was like 64%. Oh, not quite 65. Okay, well, anyways, what my main thing is like if we're going to throw the ball within 5 yards of the line of scrimmage all day and it still isn't great, that just makes me really worried and if we can't hit on the a handful of deep balls, 67%, sorry. Oh, yes. old prediction hit. What do I get for that? No, I get an extra point. A, hand, okay. a handshake, yeah. Okay. okay. Better than a high five. Um, let's see. Well, my thing is, if the if the percentage isn't good on those short passes, I mean, working intermediate to long, we know he's not done very well. It just makes me feel even worse, almost. I mean, 67 was is decent, but, like, I don't know. I just am – I'm really just out – on Jordan Love at this point, unless he can turn it around. I don't know what the issue is, but when I watch it, it doesn't look good. At no point in the last three weeks have I been like, this looks good. Like, that was good. At the beginning of the season, there was a couple drives where I was like, okay, that's good. Right? Well, I guess one of those is a bye week. Let's say the last two games. Mm -hmm. I just, there's not been a point where I'm like, oh, that was a good throw. Well, right? he, he did, he had the one deep throw to Jaden Reed. Against the Lions, that was pretty good. I guess that was three weeks ago. He had the nice little crossing route to Jaden Reed this week. That that play that uh, Musgrave got hurt on. That was a decent throw. They're not, but yes, it's fewer and fewer that we're getting these nice rocket. It just balls doesn't look or, good. It just no. doesn't look good. No, and it's, and I don't that, know. I'm not an expert, but it doesn't look good to me. It sucks because you know, like, well, not only Matt Lafleur, but everyone says, you know, the quarterback gets more blame and too much praise when they're doing well, and that's kind of you know what's going on here. Coaching hasn't been great. Offensive line hasn't been great. Running hasn't been great. Receivers haven't been great. Tight ends haven't been great. And I don't know. Kind of tough to evaluate when all that's going on. Um, the running game, 
AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, Manuel Wilson, AJ Dillon with the best game of the year, at least for him, 15 yep. carries, 61 yards, 4.1 average. He was also the leading receiver, sadly, with two receptions, 34 yards. He had that one 29 yarder, which was probably my favorite AJ Dillon play, at least over the last two years where he ran the dude over and just seeing him in open space is very weird. I feel like the camera almost zooms out when he has the ball in space or at least maybe it was just that where they were in the field when it happened, but he still doesn't look very fast. He looks kind of like the, what is it? The Michelin mushroom or marshmallow guy from a uh, retired guy from the ghostbusters. He looks kind of like that almost. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the good couple runs. It was jarring to see what he looks like in the open field. I'm not upset with his play, but again, it's you know you're not having a good year when, especially in offense, when after the game people are like, "Well, at least AJ Dillon had a good game." Well, he averaged 4.1 yards a carry, right? Which it would was be nothing good, amazing. Which would be 21st in the NFL, you know, over a season. So not very good. Aaron Jones was still on the pitch count, only played 36% of the snaps. And I don't understand. I, I get having a pitch count. But when you're in that game and you kind of need to win, I don't know why he's not. And it's funny, too, because Jordan Love should have thrown it to A.J. Dillon on that last drive, whatever. You know, I know it was just the check down and it's one of his last reads, but either way. But it's like, why is Aaron? It's like one more drive isn't going to kill Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones averaged. 4.4 yards of carry in this game. You know, he didn't get the ball as much, but I don't know. Not not what you want to see from the running backs. I don't know what else you're thinking on them. I think snap snap count too, like whatever. It's got to go. Either he's playing or he's not. Like if Aaron Jones can't come out and play, he can't come out and play then. I don't know. Like eight attempts. I mean, we got to get him the ball more. A.J. Dillon had 15. He actually did. He did fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to backtrack on things I've said. Um, out of 4.1 yard per carry. I mean, but it was good. I mean, it was fine. I had no complaints about it. He looked good getting into the second or the, the second and third levels. Great. Awesome. A guy at 240 pounds should look great when he gets back there. AJ or Aaron Jones has to get the ball more though. And we've been saying it for how many years he needs more carries. LaFleur's got to run the ball more. He's got to come out running the ball and establish it especially with essentially a rookie quarterback. But, I mean, I don't know. I, the run game wasn't the problem. Yeah. So we can move on from that. It was the, the, Everything else was the problem. Yeah. I just, I just wish more things made sense. Make the Aaron Jones thing make sense to me. Again, just it doesn't – he's healthy. He's not healthy. It's like the last year he's going to be at the Packers. I don't know what you're saving him for either way. It's, if he's right. hurt enough where he can't get that much more, then like you said, he shouldn't be playing. Um, whiteouts, <laughs> Dobbs, Watson, Reed, Wicks, Trey. I mean, God, I don't know. Once again, it's not good when when uh, Dylan's your leading receiver. Romeo, two receptions, thirty yards, the one touchdown. Christian Watson, three receptions, twenty-seven yards. Jane Reed, three receptions, twenty-one. Wicks, one for seventeen, and then Torre had one for three in that last target, which I just don't get. But yeah, Romeo Dobbs. It would. I still really like him, but it's it's so tough to judge the receivers this year and last year because everything's just fucking out of whack, you know, because he he should be the number one guy, you know, play in and play out. But he does seem to disappear. Obviously, he had that drop in the end zone, which wasn't good. Um, He had strong hands on a couple other catches, but 
whatever. Christian Watson, this seems to be, you know, the, the one thing was first the offense in general and Jordan Love for what we have concerns about. But Christian Watson, man, I really like his potential. And he obviously had that four or five game stretch last year where he was like fucking unbeatable. But God, it's like all the explosive RAS players we have on this team. You know, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Eric Stokes, all hammy injuries, all high RAS fast guys. And it seems to be a detriment to this team at this point. And especially with Christian Watson, dude can't stay healthy. And fuck, he, he got hurt. You know, yep. didn't didn't finish the game and he was practicing today. You know, I'm sure he's feeling bad when it happens, but it happened last year too. that first Detroit game when we ended up losing. If we win that, we would have been in the playoffs. You know, we, we lose by like one score and him and Aaron Jones both got hurt, didn't come back in the game. And then they both played the next week. And I know it's a different league now, but God, it would be nice if these guys could play through some shit. And I know we bitched about Aaron Jones in the pitch count, but with Watson, it's pretty much the number one thing you got to talk about with his career thus far. Yeah. I think with this wide receiver room too, it's, there's a lot of mistakes we're seeing lately from these, from this group. It seems like a lot of mental errors and whatnot. And then the same thing. Yeah. The being healthy thing is a whole nother aspect of it. I think a lot of the, I'm just going to say a lot of the, the issues maybe in Jordan loves like hesitance sometimes seems to be coming from wide receivers, not being in the right place, running the wrong routes, you know, even just like on their routes, maybe the depth isn't there. I have no idea. It just, that's my gut saying that is that it's like, it just seems like there's always like, there's no connection between the receiver and the quarterback on these routes. It's just what it seems like, or they're just running the wrong route, which is obviously a problem. But I think more than that, it's just like, little little errors which gives me a little bit of hope in the long term that by the end of the season this could look different um but right now it just seems like there's so many little mistakes Mm -hmm. it just it's just not clean well it was like that third down play where christian watson and uh uh, reed ran like the same route and they were on top of each other and on top of that too you know jordan love his pass i remember watching it live i was like what the fuck is that and apparently, you know, we don't know, but it, I guess it wasn't a bad ball because one of those guys should have been in the right spot. You, you'd you like for your quarterback to, you know, actually attempt something that's possible. But it sounds like Christian Watson was the one who ran the wrong route. Yep. This during training camp, Matt LaFleur said Christian Watson is one of, if not the smartest receiver he's ever been around. And again, with these comments with the public, I don't know how much are like actual opinions that these coaches have or things that they say publicly to help gas their guys up. And maybe that was part of it. I don't know. He does seem like a well-spoken guy, but I don't know. We'll see. And then the other guys to talk about Dontavian Wicks. And a lot of people talked about him this week too. Still, I can't believe how you're like unsung hero of the season. You picked him and I'm still thinking it's going to happen, but it's, it's time to fucking unleash him. Cause he's the guy who doesn't seem to make the mistakes and he's like the most well-rounded receiver on this team. Well, I guess you can't really argue it because he had a reception, a rush, and a pass <laughs> on Sunday. He's a decent blocker, you know, and what I love about him, he's like a, what comes out to me is he's like a hockey player almost when he gets the ball because he gets the ball and he immediately runs upfield. He, he immediately, 90-degree yep. angle, runs upfield, and 
it's like a hockey player running gassers, you know, when you're just stopped and you have your wide feet to really get the blade so that you're getting as much power into it. Wide, you know, not pigeon-toed the opposite, and he's just fucking pushing as hard as he can straight up the field. Who he reminds me of? Donald Driver. That's what he reminds me of right now. Oh, wow. Same six-foot, pretty skinny dude, and he just runs upfield. If he can start, you know how we had TJ Slayton at the beginning of the year doing the Gilbert Brown. If we can get uh, Dontavian yep. Wicks to do the uh, first down like Driver did back in the, the day. The first down. The shimmy. Yes, and the shimmy. I'll be in heaven. I'll also be in heaven if uh, Samari Turi never sees the field again. Again, we end the we end the game on a deep shot to him for whatever fucking reason. I'm sure he's a fine yeah, player, but Love seems to like him in those deep ball spots. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if anyone else likes him in the deep ball spots. Uh, tight end Musgrave, Sims, Kraft, Deguara. I mean, not a ton to talk about here as far as production goes. Luke Musgrave did have the four catches for 30 yards. He did get banged up. And Ben Sims did, once again, he had a, another catch this week, converted that third down. That was after Musgrave got hurt. Watching it live, I thought it was Luke Musgrave, which is a pretty uh, good compliment, I guess, to give a undrafted uh, tight end. I think the biggest thing to take away from the tight end room is that like Luke Musgrave is becoming just like the safety net, it seems, for Jordan Love. Five attempts, four receptions, 30 yards. Anytime he needed something, it seemed like, Early, earlier, obviously, because he was still in the game. But it seemed like he was just going to him. I think one drive, he had like three catches. Um, so it's that's hopeful, right? Like if he can get a safety net tight end, maybe that can spur some things for him. And and Luke's got plenty of potential, too. It's not just that oh, he's yeah. the safety net. I mean, he can turn it up field and run. I mean, especially look for him in year two and once he gets a little bit better i'm just thinking the body control is going to get better in year two you hope that he looks like he could be scary well what i don't get and what we did in the preseason like when love missed him the one time on the on the deep route and then the bears game when he i think it was musgrave who kind of fucked up the deep pass but he's we're not stretching the field with him anymore you know the last couple right. of weeks it doesn't seem like he's doing what he was doing early on. And now we have him back in like this fucking Richard Rogers role where he's running outs and little short things, which is fine. I'll, I will take yards, especially in this offense, but that's not what excites me with these RAS fast, tall athletic guys that we have. And again, you know, like the play he got hurt on, which was a nice catch, you know, throw that fucking safety in jail. He got suspended the four games, went down to two, but even watching that, you watch the sideline, not not the like broadcast coverage, but the other camera that they had on the on the side there. Luke got hurt, and he's still in a boot today. He did not practice because he's so bad on his feet. When you watch him, when you watch him play, he usually starts falling before he's contacted, and that's what happened on that play too. You know, he's going towards the sideline. He starts falling. Go on Twitter. Go wherever. Rewatch the replay. He starts to fall down. He's falling down. And then the safety comes and nails him. Because he's already falling, his ankle is at a weird angle and turned. So when he gets pushed, his ankle, you know, fucking goes the wrong direction. And now he's got a sprained ankle. So if he could just stay on his feet longer, <laughs> he'd be healthy right now. And I agree with you. You know, I'm not trying to get on him. I think he's going to be a great player in the future. But right now, it's still 
you know, a baby Luke Moosegrave. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think I think it's a, you're a, a little aggressive on that one. I just think it's like he's also a little lost in space. He's a little lost in this offense. And then Jordan loves putting the ball behind him every yeah. other pass. So it's like, what do you do? <laughs> I suppose. He's uh, a big boy. Yeah. Uh, and Josiah DeGuara, I'm done with him. He seems like a nice guy. But fuck, man. It's just, it goes back. You know, I, I like regret thinking losing Tyler Davis wasn't going to matter. And now it's like, fuck. You really wonder how much better this team would be by just having fucking Tyler Davis, who could at least block halfway decent. And he could be in that position instead of DeGuara because he did some of that, you know, uh, God, I always forget whatever H-back shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Offensive line. Ugh. Walker, Elton, Myers, Runny, and Tom. And Yash did hop in for a little bit. Uh, not, uh, not the end-all, be-all, but three of the bottom five offensive players on PFF were Jenkins, Walker, and Myers. Walker, after the early success he had this season, has seemed to struggle quite a bit. He's still okay in pass production pass protection at times but the run game he just doesn't seem to do anything and josh myers i don't know we keep we keep bitching about him he got he got hurt he got hurt and for four glorious plays we had zach tom at center and josh at right tackle and did you see what happened did you see what happened when we ran the ball we ran right up the middle and aj dylan has never had a bigger hole all season running between the guards than he did on that play i think he picked up 8 or 10 yards it was close to it and it's like that's what's so frustrating about this offensive coaching staff right now is that we aren't trying new things at least with personnel it seems like and the offensive line is where it should start especially coming out of the bye just fucking try something I feel bad, but it's like the defense last year when Dean Lowry got bad, our run D and the defense in totality got better. If if Josh got hurt and Zach Tom played center, I think this offense would be a hell of a lot better. But I don't know. So one other thing I want to add. Very dumb. This is the dumb football brain thing. And I, we don't want to bring up his name. We've been pretty good about it this year. But if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, and people bitch about the way he yells at guys. If Rodgers was playing quarterback and they knew, one, they were blocking for him, you know, old guy, Hall of Fame guy, but two, how much he does yell at guys, he he kept those guys accountable. And I'm not saying it's bad that Jordan Love doesn't yell at guys, but it's definitely something that I think has had some type of effect negatively this year that we don't have Rodgers holding these guys accountable. I don't know. Dumb, but that's just my thought. I don't think you have to yell, but you do have to hold people accountable. And I do like that point. Um, I don't know if that's the issue, but something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, the only, that, that's the only issue. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I don't want Josh Myers to get hurt. I want him to be a healthy scratch. I want him to be healthy when he's on the bench. <laughs> yeah. But I do want Zach Tom in there, and I do want to see Josh left or right. I don't care. Uh, yeah. But let's just get some new blood in there because it's not working and like you said, was it four plays or whatever it was? And it was mm-hmm. like, mm, there was a nice play in there. Does that have anything to do with it? Maybe we should look into this. Just a I simple get it. run. Simple run. He's the center, blah, 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 whatever. Like, it's not easy to just throw a center in there. But, like, Zach Tom can do it. Clearly, he did it for a couple plays. And they had some success. Like, this is what we all wanted to see. We've been talking about this for weeks. A month, probably. I mean... Beginning of the beginning season, of we the were year. talking, beginning but before year. it even started, we were talking about having 
I mean, training camp. We were talking about Tom going inside to center and then kick whoever in. You know, obviously Dave mm-hmm. was in the mix at that point, but it's like, oh, and then we saw it for a second and it looked good. And then it was just stripped away from us. I don't know. I, I felt bad that I felt bad when I saw I Josh That's going what, in. I, I, I don't want to yes. be I don't want to be a bad person. But uh, and even even if it's not that like, I don't I guess we're going to give Walker probably another week. But at some point, we're gonna. I'd like to see Caleb Jones or even fucking Luke Tenuta, who I don't know if he's came off the PUP or IR yet. I don't remember hearing about that, but I don't know. We'll see. He's another one of those fucking seven-foot monsters. But uh, yep. with that, we will have a quick commercial break. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. And we are back with the defense. Once again, can't get too pissed. This, I hope this doesn't turn into a theme for the season where it's like, well, can't get too mad. We only allowed 19 or whatever points. Um, but yeah, you'd like to see 19 points was good. You know, anything under 20, especially you should expect to win. But a fourth quarter stop, it is kind of reminiscent of uh, 2008 with the Packers when Rodgers would win a lot of games or at least put them in position to and the defense would just falter in the fourth quarter or the second half. But yeah, I don't know. We'll just start with the front seven. Kenny Clark batted a ball in the first quarter. Once again, the Mm -hmm. first drive, every single first drive this year, he makes an impact play. But after that, Kenny didn't really have a great game. Pro football focus actually graded him as the lowest player on defense again and they're not the end all be all but i don't know it's something preston had one sack for zero yards which was the only sack on the day for either team uh jj nick was the highest graded player on defense for the packers Rashawn gary he was ranked second on pff he did not record a sack only this game in the lions game he didn't record a sack and something a little interesting brenton cox did play early in the game a little bit uh, Justin Hollins, if you didn't see, he did get cut on Saturday, and he will not be back with the team. I think he got signed with the Colts, but he's on a practice squad somewhere. I believe he got picked up. So Thank you for your service. Yeah, two two weeks in a row where roster manipulation leads to a player potentially deciding to sign with a different team because you've been 
horsing him around back and forth a bit. Yeah, and it's too bad because Hollins, I mean, he had he had a, a lot of impact plays, actually, for how many snaps he had last year. And again, this year, beginning of the year, he had a couple of impact plays. So it's too bad to see a guy like that be kind of jacked around a little bit and then just walks. But yeah, whatever. especially last year, like, I don't want to say he saved the season, but I'm not sure if the defense would have performed as well if we didn't pick him up late. You know, those last four games, the defense is completely pretty solid. fair. Yeah, especially with Rashawn Gary going down. I'm not sure who right. it would have been Jonathan fucking Carvin. Something to think of. It's co- yeah, no, <laughs> not that he, I think of it, I, yeah. save the season might be a stretch, but like. <laughs> To have him come in and fill in for Gary versus the alternative, I mean, he made some plays. He was good. Yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, I don't know, not a ton to talk about with his front seven. Quay played. He, you know, he was a little banged up. You could tell he was a little slower than normal, and Isaiah McDuffie played alongside him with Devondre Campbell being out. You know, we do give McDuffie shit, but God, if he, he played well. Try, he, I, I you, you never question his effort, you know? No. And if you, if like, okay, he's not the super fast athletic guy Mm -hmm. like Quay is, or even like the way Devondre played a year or two ago, like with that athleticism, but like he can fill a gap and he, like if the guy's in front of him and it's, I mean, he's, he's not quite, I'm not, he's not AJ Hawk, but like his ability to like play with what's in front of him is, it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I'm just say AJ Hawk in the sense of like, he wasn't going to play like sideline to sideline, but like tackle to tackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's got it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like, it's like that kind of play that you're getting from Isaiah. And so it was, it was pretty good. And Eric Wilson isn't terrible either, but the, the biggest thing though, for me is when you think of recent history and back when uh, Hank was on the podcast, Yep. if we didn't have him, it would be fucking, you know, if you go back a couple years when the first and second uh, inside linebackers went out, it would have been Ty Summers. And you remember when Ty Summers would have to come in the game because that's when we would really get gashed. So, I don't I appreciate Isaiah McDuffie. I think that's the right way to put it. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate him. And I think uh, didn't Wilson have – he hits pretty hard, actually. I said he had a big hit. I don't yesterday. know if that was Maybe this that week. Was no, team. last week he Not had yesterday. the QB hit, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he had that against the uh, the Raiders. That's when that one was. Um, yeah, maybe that's – yeah, oh, that is what it was. Yep. yep. Uh, secondary, Jair was hurt, and I guess we can run through the injuries. We touched on a couple of them earlier. But Darnell Savage hurt his shin or calf. I think it was his calf. He was put on IR. And then, fuck, man, Eric Stokes. I feel so bad for Eric, man. You, So I listen to a lot of the interviews, and when you listen to Eric Stokes talk, he's just such, I don't know, a warm personality. He seems like a great guy. He's so optimistic. So, I don't know. He, he's a very charismatic guy. And he fucking has both those injuries last year. Training camp starts up, and he you know has a setback. First game back in the year. Four snaps, and he heard it on special teams. I believe it was his hammy or calf again, too. So he was put on IR. Devondre Campbell did practice today, first time in like a month. Um, Aaron Jones practiced today, too. I think just about – no, Aaron Jones didn't actually practice today, but it didn't sound as concerning as people were making it out. So we'll see, but we're more healthy than we thought. Luke Musgrave is the only one I'm kind of more – outside the guys on the IR because he was still in a boot today. So hopefully that isn't anything too bad. Um, Razul Douglas, he got burnt for that one touchdown. He's he's found a really good, um, I don't know, 
he's really good at blaming other people when touchdowns happen and he's the closest guy and I don't know anything but he's like one of the more veteran guys on that defense and he's well spoken where I believe him but apparently it was his fault for that Sutton uh, touchdown on Sunday mm. but he's like he usually grades out pretty well too and I always I love watching Razul Douglas watching defense is more fun when Razul is playing corner for sure he brings that emotion he brings that energy and he's the eighth ranked corner according to pro football focus on the year and then Carrington Valentine not a good game I think he gave up like 100 yards himself he was getting targeted on like every third down it seemed like especially the first couple drives so I don't know what did you think about the secondary I definitely echo what you're talking about with Valentine too. I had really hoped, you know, when I saw him, he was going to play today and he was going to get some snaps. I was like, oh, maybe we see some good stuff. It wasn't good stuff. It's too bad. I mean, it's not that he, he's, we're not done with him, but it's like, yeah, it didn't look too hot. And I mean, I think a lot of the Cortland Sutton and then Jerry Judy, they're not bad wideouts, you know? I mean, so it's not like he's going up against trash or anything like that. And, Russell actually threw the ball pretty well, so it's, I don't know, it's tough. But, yeah, in general, too, um, I don't know if we're, were we talking about safeties yet or not, but the Rudy Ford, I just, it was one of those games where I was like, same thing with Isaiah McDuffie. I mm-hmm. appreciate what he's doing. He, we asked him to step in and do things that are maybe, like, above, I'm, I'm just going to say above his his draft stock. Yeah, like, I mean, this, this if is that's the second a better way year to put he's it, played I didn't defense. want to say, like, skill level. Yeah, he he's not really a defensive player. You know, special teams is what he always right. more was, you know, kind of forced to focus on. And the Packers were the first team that really gave him an opportunity to play more defense. Um, the other thing I forgot, Valentine. Did you see what Valentine did to Jerry Judy? No. I didn't notice no. this until today. He tried to peanut punch him on one of those, uh, one of his receptions. Oh, peanut punch him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he fu- he. Uh, he he didn't he didn't uh, peanut punch him, but he did nut punch him. He punched him like in <laughs> the crotch, <laughs> like he was trying to force a fumble. And just the trainers were looking at Jerry Judy after that, so not good. Um, and oh, again, no. you know, I I feel bad about Savage. Obviously, I think he's had a better year than again. He's like an effort guy where he. Uh, he might not always make the tackle, but he looks really fast and runs by the guy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but Jonathan Owens being out there more. Mm. fuck man yeah. i hope i hope we can see some anthony johnson jr just because we haven't seen him but we've seen jonathan owens and we know what jonathan owens is so i hopefully the the one bright spot i like to bring up about joe barry was discovering razul douglas against that bears game two years ago or whatever where um God, who was Isaac Yadam started, had one terrible series. They pulled him, put Razul in, and never looked back. Maybe we'll see something like that on Sunday if Jonathan Owen struggles and we can get some Anthony Johnson Jr. in there. We did also call up uh, Ballantyne, the other corner, right to the yep. 53. So it was a little interesting. He wasn't active on uh, Sunday either when we had the injuries, but... Uh, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how they hold up on Sunday with a pretty talented um, pass catching group with the Vikings, even with Justin Jefferson out. Uh, special teams. 
I don't think we've talked about him in the last couple of weeks. Whelan punted pretty well. He had the one touchback, but fuck was that close to being a pin too. Keyshawn tried to return a kickoff from the actual back of the end zone. I feel, uh, like, uh, yeah. I feel like every couple of years, I forget if when you're returning, if you're allowed to step out or not, or if that's a safety. Like there's that half second where I'm like, oh, fuck, is that two points? Um, and then Anders finally did cost us a game technically. He finally missed... Would have been the difference, uh, you know, I don't know, butterfly effect, things could have been different, but uh, yeah, but bottom line, after the first four games, I thought we were struggling quite a bit on special teams the last two weeks, all the coverage units have been pretty solid, return units have been fine, no major issues aside from, you know, Anders missing that one 47-yard kick, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Not much, I mean, yeah, special teams, the rare uh, bright spot on this team lately i don't know it's 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 too bad but too bad that anders missed that uh field goal too yeah and the thing now especially because it's getting colder you know this is when Keyshawn was actually given a chance to return last year um Mm, sure with it getting colder the wind you know it's way more windy in the winter i'll I'll say in my own mind but but it's getting colder kickoffs aren't going as far ball isn't traveling as far we should start seeing some more Keyshawn Nixon touch, or touchdowns. Hopefully touchdowns, but uh, returns on kickoffs. But uh, yep. with that, we will have take news. Football time. Take news. Take news for the week, uh, Jordan Love comparisons. Yeah, Jordan Love, you know, kind of up and down season. It was up, 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 and now it's been down, down, down. Uh, and everyone, you know, we get all these data points of completion percentage, touchdowns, picks, all this shit, how many starts. And I am just sick of, you know, first we were comparing him to Rodgers and how he's doing with that way, how Rodgers started his first year, how Favre struggled and threw picks, and it's like – we keep changing, and it's like, well, yeah, his accuracy is bad, but Josh Allen had really bad accuracy and somehow solved it when he's literally the only guy who has ever really done that. Uh, and a lot of guys have talked about it. So I want to talk about this one. This is a clip from Aaron Nagler. Every once in a while, I'll listen to his Packers Daily Chats, and I think for the most part, people like Nagler. I like Nagler quite a bit. You could have so many. Once again, he's not Bukowski. Like, Bukowski is so bad, and Nagler is like a regular dude, but... This is what Nagler had to say when I don't. I, one, someone asked about, uh, I think it was Hertz. Well, I know it was Hertz, but brought Hertz up in the comparisons or at least waiting to see progress from your quarterback. We need to be patient when it comes to this team's development, especially Jordan. You're not going to find out what a QB is through seven games. Just look at Jalen Hurts, for example. Go Pack Go on to Minnesota. I mean, J- Jalen Hurts, I actually brought that up last night on Twitter. Um you know, Jalen Hurts' first year as a starter, I specifically remember an October start he had on national television, and my entire timeline was burning Hurts to the ground. I mean, Eagles fans mostly, just just definitively declaring he was not the answer. He was not it. Fast forward, the man has played in a Super Bowl at an incredibly high level, is doing so again on our televisions last night. Like, you got to give these guys some time you got to view it through a larger, longer lens. I mean, I understand where it's a very win-now league. It's a very win-now mentality for most fan bases. We look at it through hell, not even the lens of fantasy football, but daily fantasy. It's like this game alone is it, and if you lose, it's over. Like, no, that is not the reality of the National Football League. And I understand 
There are certainly teams that aren't patient, and you see other teams go to drastic measures to try to fix what's ailing it or decide that a player is not it, only for that player to go on and maybe find success elsewhere. Maybe not. You never really know. But I just know that's how the Packers are going to choose to operate, and so I, as a fan, have to be patient. Now, I can call for everyone's firing, and certainly people do each and every game, but it's not going to change anything. So I just hope people can have a little patience when it comes to Jordan Love because, yes, Mario, you're right. We need the, the, the entirety of the season at the minimum to get an idea of what they have in Jordan Love. So I don't want to pick on Nagler or anything, but, you know, there's been a very common narrative like this going on where, you know, we can't give up on the guy, all of this. And he's talking about first, I guess we'll start with the Jalen Hurts thing. So he's talking about that Jalen Hurts game. I think it was a Monday night, Sunday night game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, <laughs> and the tweet that he was referencing from back then in 2021 was this. This is what he said, quote, I'm trying to bite my tongue on the Jalen Hurts criticism I see on my timeline tonight, but holy hell, if he isn't a perfect example of needing to let a guy play a bit, can we wait a bit? Can we wait, say, 16 starts before we start condemning a kid? Jesus fucking Christ. He said JFC, but I will, you know, say what the actual words are. Um, so that was against a Bucks defense in 2021 who went on to win the Super Bowl and or I don't I forgot. I forgot which fucking year. Yeah, 2021. Either way, they had a, they had a top five scoring defense in the league Jalen Hurts in that game was 12 for 26 115 yards one touchdown one pick he also had 10 rushes for 44 yards and two touchdowns okay that was also his second year starting well his second year in the league I should say and just for comparisons for Jalen Hurts that first through up to that point those first six games he had a completion percentage of 62.5 Eight touchdowns to four picks and a pass rating of 86. Jordan Love threw six games, 57.5% completion percentage, which is lower. Ten touchdowns, which is uh, more. Seven picks, that's more. And a less than pass rating of 79.4. Now, that's that's nothing. You know, whatever. That's just stat stuff. But these comparisons are kind of pissing me off because it's like, yes, we don't want to compare them to other guys. But the entire point of drafting this guy was so that there was a little bit less of this transition, you know, because what we're basically treating Jordan Love like a rookie right now where we have to wait, you know, we have to wait. And I'm fine with that. You know, he's going to start all year and that's what I want. I'm not calling for him to get benched or anything. But for me, it's just the doubt creeping in of the move to Jordan Love. Not that we made the move this year. The move to him this year was the right move. You know, it, it was time just with how everything was set up. But for me, it's from what we've seen from him so far, and again, the accuracy issues where no one's improved accuracy that has been as bad as Jordan Love's has been. And I know there's all the issues with the drop balls, the bad offense, blah, blah, blah. But you cannot convince me that 2020 was the time to draft Jordan Love when Aaron Rodgers... When we drafted Jordan Love, do you know how long Rogers' contract was through? Oh, was it like three more years? Still this year. Aaron Rodgers was oh. signed through this year when we wow. drafted Jordan Love. I'm fine for moving on to a quarterback, but it just happened a little <laughs> a little too soon for my liking. 
what do you think? Do you think it's fair to compare him to other quarterbacks? You know, there's the Peyton Manning thing, too, how his rookie year he led the league in picks. I was going to bring up the Peyton Manning thing. I've heard that one. I think comparisons are normal, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it just in general. But I think I think you also have to point out the differences is it, where Peyton Manning played a rookie. It was his rookie season. I mean, that's a college kid out there throwing the ball around, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the same as Jordan Love sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for three years and then coming out and throwing the ball, right? Like, they're not the same. He's had three years in a professional offense. He's had three years with coaching staffs, trainers. Like, it's not the same. I mean, 100% it's not the same. And I'm not saying that he can't turn around. I'm not saying that we don't need to give him time. The completion percentage is not does not make me feel good. No. That's the scariest thing. I think that's I think everybody should be scared about the completion percentage. I would feel better if his completion percentage was higher and he was throwing picks. Mm-hmm. Hey, those are bad decisions. I mean, I bet if you went back and looked, those are the Peyton Manning issues. Bad decisions. Not not fully being able to read a defense. What we're seeing is accuracy issues. I don't know if you can fix that. Right. I just don't know if you can. Which is tough because because he can read a defense halfway decent. You know, we saw him at the beginning of the year, and he can fling it in there. You know, I still think back to, like, that Falcons game, and it's dumb, but even just his last throw of that game where he fucking slings it between two dudes to Samari Ture, and he can't hold on to the ball. It was a very tough catch, but that was a holy shit throw. You know, that's that yep. accuracy thing. But then it's like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, especially after the Jermichael Finley injury one didn't throw in the middle of the field but two like he protects guys when he's throwing the ball and it's not like that's what you're always looking for but you can tell where the ball is going sometimes it's just not so accurate accurate twice now that he can throw the ball banged up on like balls that were thrown behind yeah we were we were caught up there i was talking you were talking like a little bit but what i was gonna say is aaron Rodgers is so accurate Mm -hmm. that he could he could play to either side of the guy depending on where the defender was we are not even in that realm with Jordan Love. We're just trying to feed guys the ball, and he can't do it down the field. I mean, maybe it gets better. Maybe it's a footwork thing. I don't know. But, like, we are not even close to Aaron Rodgers. And, like, you can look at the stats, and the stats are what they are. But, like, when I watch Aaron Rodgers throw the football any year, it doesn't matter what year it was versus watching Jordan Love throw the football. It's not the same at all. And you can see the special arm talent, and <clears throat> he may be powerful, and you have a strong arm, but like, what worries me is like he does not have the accuracy, and I don't know where that comes from. But as of right now, Jordan Love like doesn't have it, and like when I watch him play, that's what I see is he just it's not there. And that's what's worrisome because I with the offensive line troubles too, it seems like he he was almost you know wound tight to start the season, and his mechanics were a little bit better. Obviously, the offensive line was performing a little bit better than two. But he's playing a little bit scared, and it's almost like he's going back to backyard football a little bit where he's, you know, he's very hoppy in his step. He's not doing the straight drop back and just chucking the ball. And, God, we didn't touch on it this week, but the deep balls are still. Like, that one to Samari Ture, it wasn't, you know, the Watson throw to lose to the Raiders was one thing. I don't really hate that throw. But the one for Ture, I mean, it wasn't even in the same stratosphere. So, again, I like Jordan Love. He's a great dude. If he can get it all together, and maybe if this offense pulls it all together here late, you know, these last eight games, it's, I forgot who said it. Someone said, uh, 
you know, the Packers, we've been so dog shit in the first half, and we didn't even touch on that. How we're the worst team in the NFL in the first half and, like, the best team in the second half pretty much. What if this season turns out that way? We're the first half of the season, we're fucking dog shit. And then we get halfway through, and it's like, oh, <laughs> look at this. The offense is gelling, and we're putting it together. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking, you know? I mean, a lot of teams have already turned around. Like I said to, at the jump two weeks ago, we thought the Vikings were dead, and they're okay. Yep. Anything can really happen in this NFL. And they looked good on Monday, too. I mean, yeah, if we could turn around like that, that would be a completely different story. Um Winning, as Matt LaFleur said a couple seasons ago or whatever, at the end of the season, winning covers up a lot of things, yeah. right? And so if you can go out there and win, people are looking at things differently. Obviously, we're being more critical because of the losses. But also, when there's nothing to be excited about, you're probably not going to win very many of those games when you don't play very well. So Tis true. Tis true. And with that, who we'll have is Colin Idiot. I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. Is Kylan idiot for the week? Uh, Todd, you guys as a whole are like, I don't know, 60% on the season, so you're not an idiot, but you're not smart either. So we'll just. Better than it. Jordan Love's completion rating. <laughs> uh, oh. Pretty close. Oh. Pretty close to it. You guys might be hovering around the okay. same. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. First question What two receivers on the Packers are tied with eight receptions on the season? Um, eight. It looks like you're looking at your computer, which seems like you're cheating. I'm not cheating. I am looking at my computer. I'm just trying. I I have the. I just have the box score up from last week, so it's not. It doesn't tell me anything. It might give you some clues. But I'm gonna say, Dontavian Wicks and Samari Toure. What'd you say? (laughs) I said. I said Dontavian Wicks and Samari Toure. Wrong. No, it is it's Wicks is one of them. Okay. And Christian Watson is the other one. Oh, that would have been. What does uh what does Samari Toure have? I would guess 3. I think he has 3 oh, on the season. Okay. Well, I have no idea, but he has 5. He has 5. Okay, that's more than I thought obviously, but yeah, it it was I know Watson was out but still eight receptions for those two guys. Yeah. Not not very good. Okay, on one. Uh, Todd, I think you'll have a chance for this one because I think you might have been at this game. Oh! So the Packers are playing the Vikings this week. In the first oh. game between the Packers and Vikings at TCF Bank Stadium, you know where they had to go after the Metrodome yep. collapsed. Yep. It's not not for you, for the listeners at home. Uh, what two former Packers scored for the Vikings? Were you at uh, that game? Say it. What two, say it, what, what say the question one more time. What, what two former Packers scored for the Vikings? Two former Packers scored for the Vikings. I don't know if I was at the first one. I was at This was twenty thirteen. I would have been at the next one. Okay. Um twenty fourteen game. Um that is the gosh. Math works. gosh, what two former Packers one should be easy scored twenty thirteen. 13 come on who's the fact that you're saying that this who's, is, easy is making me it's harder it, it's not like why i don't know the second one you're not going to get the one is very easy what what receiver left the packers to go to the vikings 
Oh, oh, Greg Jennings. Yep, that's one of them. Very good, very smart. And the second was he? Give me the other position. Wide receiver, seventh round pick, didn't play for the Packers hardly at all. I'm I'm just gonna. Uh, Wide receiver, seventh round pick. I don't know. I'm just give it to It me. was Charles Johnson. Charles Johnson <clears throat> would not have got that. Yeah, I was hoping Billy would have been here. He you said it, to. and I do remember Charles Johnson being the next Megatron. Mm-hmm. Um, when he when we got him in the draft, the measurables and all that stuff. But yeah, I would not have got that. Yeah, that's when Ted was taking like you know measurable guys late at wide receiver. Him and Jeff Janis were kind of taken in similar time spans. But yes, he was a Rass All Star. I was pissed because the Packers. What was it exactly? He 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 was on a practice squad and he got scooped up to the Browns' fifty-three man roster and was immediately put on their IR. They cut him the next year. The Packers or the Vikings picked him up, and he was there for two years. He was actually like their third leading receiver, second leading receiver, one of those years, or their number two wideout at least when they lined up for a couple, for one or two seasons there. But uh, yes, that was a tough one. <laughs> oh and two thus far. Let's see how you finish it out here, Todd. This this should be easy. Who was the last Packers quarterback to throw a touchdown before Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers? The last one prior. Oh, prior to both of them? Yep. I, I, well, I should say, you know, Love is starting now. Aaron Rodgers started for us yeah, the, before that. Who was the last one yes. not including those guys? Yes. Um... Trying to think who the backup was in will that be twenty twenty would have been the last time? It was it was before that. The last time it happened, I think it was the tw- it was in the teens, the twenty teens. Don't think too hard on this and don't think good. Think bad? Think bad. I don't know. This is bad. I feel like I should know this and I'm just completely blanking. You you did drink a lot this weekend hunting and that's why the yeah. episode got pushed back yeah. today. Yeah, and Billy's not here, so okay. G- guess someone not Matt Flynn. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Matt Flynn was on there, but I don't know. Uh, Seneca Wallace. <sighs> no, it was Brett Hundley. It was Brett Hundley. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> There shouldn't have been. Kaiser maybe was the other one he could have thought about. I don't think he ever threw a touch. But I'm. Can we cut all this? <laughs> we cut all this. We're not doing this segment this week. This is bad. Um, speaking of bad, I saw this little stat too when I was doing uh, research on this. Um, I don't know if it's still the record, but it was at the time. But in 27, it was in 2017. He broke the record for most attempts at home for a quarterback without a touchdown with 100 and. <laughs> 162 straight attempts without a touchdown at Lambeau Field, which he broke while playing the Vikings at that December game. That was absolutely terrible at uh, Lambeau Field. So, oof. Todd, not uh, not a great performance from you, you know, reminiscent of the Packers a little bit, their offense especially. Do you have a stump spending for me? I text Billy. He said he was going to have one for me. He said it's in the email. I do not see any emails from Billy. So I do not have a stump spenny <laughs> okay. for you. So okay. I don't technical difficulties okay. again. Hey, you know what? <clears throat> if the Packers want to play a little better, maybe I'll show up and pod a little better. How about that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll show up and do you're, my trivia a little better. You're blaming the Packers for your yeah. trivia. It's not my fault okay. that I couldn't think of uh 
Deshaun Kaiser. Wasn't even him. But with that, we will move on to the Vikings preview. A God, hopefully, maybe a get right game. Packers are getting one one point at at home. I just burped. I drank a beer while while podcasting. Over under is forty two and a half. Vikings, obviously, you know they seem to be getting shit right. They're three and four after a one and four start. Just beat the Forty ers on Monday Night Football. Pretty impressive win. Um, they're 18th in points scored, uh, third in pass yards per game. They rush the least in the NFL, and they're getting the 22nd least yards per carry at 3.9. So they're right around where we're at, maybe a little bit better. Um, Kirk is having a great year. 16 touchdowns, five picks, second in the league in yards. I I almost want to take back the bad things I've said about Kirk Cousins. You know, people, there's been some talk of, like, what if the Packers signed him? This offseason, because he obviously worked with Matt LaFleur back in the day. Oof. Yeah, it, it's it's bad. Is it bad that I'm like, that wouldn't be the worst thing? But it would be the worst thing. I mean, I, w- I would hate that. It's a lot of money, and I would yeah. just assume go draft a quarterback. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't want that shit either. Um, JJ's hurt Justin Jefferson, but Jordan Addison obviously had a great game. If you watched on Monday night. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah. Um. Brandon Powell, the other rookie, played pretty well. And they also have K.J. Osborne, who's been there for a few years. Hawkinson is still there after signing his extension this offseason after being traded to the Vikes from the Lions last year. He is banged up, though. He did not practice on Wednesday, so I I don't want to say I hope he's out, but I hope he's out. Uh, The running backs aren't great. They traded four acres from the Rams, who's played a couple games for him. He's fine. And Madison wasn't a great start to the year. Obviously, it's why they traded for Acres, but you know, no one's really running away with that uh, with that job there, running the ball. Their O line has improved. Beginning of the year it was really bad, but fuck. And I hate this shit. You know, I, you don't want to compare and shit, but like this off season, I was very jealous that um, Kevin O'Connell, their head coach, fired their defensive coordinator after one yep. season, and he didn't, you know, didn't coach well. Wish the Packers would have done that. Well, the their offensive line it wasn't doing great, so they went out and they signed Dalton uh, Reisner. Risner, I forget how, how you say his name. Yeah, their other guard got hurt, and Risner came in, and they played very, very well on Monday. Obviously, going up against uh, Joey Bosa and blocking him very well. I don't think Kirk got sacked. I know they have one of the no best, sacks. Yeah, they have one of the best tackle tandems in the league, and. Uh, uh, Brian O'Neill and it's a Derrishaw is their other one. Yeah, yeah. Christian Christian Derrishaw. Yeah, he's so good. That that name is Derrishaw. It's so good for a tackle too. You know, it's yeah, Derrishaw. It's, it's such a good name. Their uh, defense is pretty. Eh, you know, not a lot of talent there, but they have Brian Flores there as their defensive coordinator once again. What what do you know? Well, I guess their defense isn't stellar, but it's better than it was last year. You know, when you have a competent defensive coordinator calling plays. Daniel Hunter still leads the league in sacks. Uh, Harrison Smith is still good. And Ivan Pace Jr., their undrafted inside linebacker, seems to be kind of one of the steals of not only, obviously, the draft, but the undrafted guys. Like He's played very well and obviously cost them next to nothing. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's funny how they were sellers two weeks ago. You know, people were talking about Daniel Hunter getting traded and kind of the weird rebuild they're doing. And I still don't think they're a great team. I kind of like that. They're a bit of a middling team, but Todd, what are you, what are you thinking about the Vikes and going in this game? I think if we see 
the Vikings team that showed up against the Niners, it's going to be trouble. Good point. This is going to be really ugly. True, that was a good That's, team. That was a good team. They were looking tough, and they came to play, and they were playing pretty clean. Cliche, I mean, cliche, yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough to beat those guys. And it, my thing is, with uh, Jordan Addison filling in, I mean, he looks like a stud, right? And they're going to feed him the ball. Can we cover him? I have no idea. It didn't look very good. Jair did practice today. I don't think I mentioned that okay. earlier. That would make me feel better. If if Jair's in, I would feel a little bit better. Their running game is not very good. I mean, if you're on the other side of the table, you're saying this is a really good game for us to get the running game going against our defense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I don't feel good about this after watching them Monday night. So I would say this, and this is, I, I say this a lot on the podcast, and I say I say this a lot on the podcast as well. I feel good about this game. You know, I don't feel great about the Packers right now. But the fact that we look like horseshit on Sunday, and the Vikings look pretty good on Monday. But, you know, it's not like we think the Vikings are a great team, and it's not like we think the Packers are bad, bad, but maybe they are. It seems like with the way the NFL has been this year, when anyone could just about beat anyone, there's so many bad teams. We thought there was, you know, the Eagles and Niners were really, really good and all this shit, and they've kind of shit the bed a bit. The Chiefs, the Lions, you know, they've kind of shit the bed a little bit here. I feel like the Packers are going to win. I should should have saved that for my predictions, but I think they're going to win just because it's been, because we should have no confidence in this game, which is all the reason why I think it's it's going to happen, but... I don't know. It's, you know, I I don't know how well we match up. Like we mentioned earlier, they do have Dean Lowry. So we should be able to run the ball on that alone, especially if Aaron Jones is a little bit healthy. But is there anything like what are you worried about playing the Vikings? I mean, in general, Kirk's been playing well. They look like they can throw the ball. I mean, I'm I would be worried about them running the ball, too, even just in the simple fact that it doesn't seem like our defense is being as stout against the run. I don't know. Um, I guess I would also just say I'm worried about our offense just in general at this point. But yeah, and they blitz. I think they blitz 20% more than everybody else. Yeah. I don't think that's going to play well for us. I mean, Harrison Smith is still good on the back end. I don't know. It's just, I don't, this is, I don't feel super confident about that. I don't feel like this is a good bounce back game. I would hope they can figure something out on offense. Obviously, we don't feel very confident there. But, God, our defense going up against them, you know, they don't run the ball well. We don't stop the ball. We don't stop the run especially well. And I feel better about our secondary, especially with them having some, I guess we'll see if, if, you know, having two rookie wideouts playing for them probably on Sunday, how well they can produce compared to our rookie wideouts, um, which something I pointed out uh, so just once again back to the inexperience of this uh, of this coaching staff. Jason Vrabel, our wide receiver coach and pass game coordinator, this is his he has three years experience. This is his fourth year being a wide receiver coach in the league. The um, the Vikings wide receiver coach is is it Kenny McCardell, an old wideout in the league. He played seven- Kenny McCardell. Yep, yep. He played. That's funny. He played seventeen league seventeen league seventeen years in the league, and he's coached for like. 12 years something like that just look at that difference in experience they have a former player 
plus all that experience coaching. And we have Jason Vrabel, who was a quarterback for some bumfuck college back in the day. And he, three years of experience. He he was a offensive assistant in the league for six, seven, eight years before he was finally given a position coach job. And to me, that's a bit of a red flag, especially when you see the issues we've had at the wide receiver group over the last two years. But predictions, Todd, I think I'll I'll let you go first since I've kind of revealed that I think we're gonna win. What you what you thinking for this game? <clears throat> this is yeah, that's not great. Uh I'm gonna say Vikings. Uh, and it's gonna be twenty seven seventeen. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. I have the Packers winning seventeen to twenty four. Like I usually say, you know, these NFC North games, that's just 17, 17. If there's, if there's one number that pops up the most in NFC North games, it's 17 points. I feel like, but yeah, 17, 24, God, I don't, they find a way to win. I hope they find a way to win. If they, you know, we have this game. Who do we play after this? Do we have a tougher matchup after this? I'm trying to. Uh, I'll pull it up here. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if we don't beat the Vikings. We play the Rams after this. Yeah, and the Rams have been okay this year. You know, they're a competent offense and shit, too. So, I I think we're going to win. I feel like we're going to win 17-24 Packers. What is your bold prediction? For this Dean game? Lowry, two sacks. Bold prediction. Ugh. I don't, I don't like you this week. You were bad at Ugh. trivia. You didn't get You the, know who I don't like? Who? The Packers. <laughs> God. They ruined my Sunday. <laughs> no, Brian Gutenkunst did that. Uh, well, my fine. my bold prediction, you know, we've been hyping him up. You've been hyping him up. I'm going to hype him up right here. I have Dontavian Wicks scores six twice. I think he's going to have two touchdowns on Sunday. Ooh. Matt even talked about a little bit how they're going to have to try to get him more involved. <laughs> he seems to be one of the more competent receivers. Um, you know, we talked about him back in training camp too, how Matt brought up how he had been, how Wicks had been texting Jason Vrabel all the time, asking him questions and shit. So he seems to be pretty, you know, I don't into his craft at being a wide receiver. So hopefully with all the other rookies playing for the Vikings and on the Packers at the wideout position, he could be the guy who scores twice. That would be very cool. But uh, yeah, that's the game. Corrections from last week. Uh, one thing I said was Aaron Jones still has a top 10 play of the year. I meant top 10 in speed charted, not a top 10 play. We talked about... <laughs> God. I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this. So we talked about Cedric Benson, the former Packers running back who played there for one year. Uh, he obviously yes. was drafted by the Bears and was a big bust, but then had a decent career for the Bengals. We were talking about him and his dogs and what happened yep. with him and his dogs. So there were the dogs attacked the cows. Yes. Unless you're correcting me on that. Well, so there's multiple instances of Cedric Benson and his dogs. I'll try to run oh. through it pretty quick. So he was cited for letting his dogs run loose and attacking uh, neighbors' livestock in Manitowoc County. This is when he was with the Packers, obviously. The citation said that his two Rottweilers attacked 17 calves at the neighbor's farm in Maribel last month. This was obviously an old article. The sheriff's deputy report says that the dogs were found chewing on the calves' legs and that several suffered deep wounds. So I don't know how many they actually killed, but oh they my God. on some calves. Yep. The report says Benson told deputies he had to put up a fence to contain the dogs, but they managed to escape. He was cited on January 13th, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the dogs at large aren't the only citation Benson in Manitowoc County. The 30-year-old running back also was cited earlier for speeding, going 41 miles over the speed limit. And then also 
before that, he had some other uh, dog issues where he was sued because his dog got off a leash and attacked a woman uh, who was a retired IBM executive. So he she sued the shit out of out of oh, uh, him. In the testimony, Chip Benson was saying how the dogs are his family, blah, blah, blah. I think I had uh, something else to talk about. Oh, the only other thing I had to bring up was uh, this is just shit talking to A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon spoke for the first time in a month before the Broncos game, and he said that he doesn't care about uh, the opinion that other people have of him and his performance and his yards per carry. He said the only opinion he cares about is of his wife and his newborn son. Um, so apparently he doesn't care about the opinions of the coaching staff. I'm going to say that and blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to, oh, my favorite too is he, they asked about his leadership. He said, I'm not much of a vocal leader. I usually just kind of lead by example with my performance. And I'm like, you're, Mm. you're a bad, you're a bad leader than AJ. I'm sorry. You're (laughs) a bad leader. 3.8 yards per carry is not very good, but, uh, Vikings week, big week for us. A little nervous. We do live in the greater Twin Cities area, you know, we say in, in our backyard when you go up against these rivals, literally, I've said this before on the podcast, I think I said it last year, you can see the Vikings training facility from my backyard at home. Yep. So uh, really, really hope we can beat the shit out of them. But Todd, any final thoughts? You got anything else here? No, I would love to see us come out and win. I just think I agree. this team at the very least needs a couple more weeks to clean everything up. So that's why I picked him for a loss. <laughs> cool. With that, you have anything else, Todd? Just we'll, we can end on that positive note. Good news. Uh, the game will probably be televised everywhere. That's true. At least right? in Minnesota, for if sure. If you're in uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin, it's going to be on TV. Oh, so that's good news. You see, we're, we don't have to. We're, we're on the row now. Five games in a row at noon games. Oh, really? We have Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma again this week. And God, I feel like we're going to get them like, uh, whatever. we're going to have them two or three times out of these next five games. But yes, on that very positive, uplifting note, I don't have anything else. Todd, you don't have anything else. Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. I with my job. Yeah, it just won't pay. I worked all year. So to you, wow, it's you. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, let's go. God, even. Ready? Yeah, yeah.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.